Welcome to Baby Brain, PPSM's podcast. I'm Samantha Hugley, your host, and with me today is Sonia Cromroy. She's an LPCC and owner of Root and Rise Counseling. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you. I always like to start our episodes with a little background information. So can you share with us what your connection to PMADS and PPSM is? I developed a love for all things perinatal after I had my first kiddo. I didn't really know what was out there in terms of resources and what the community was. But after I had my first child, I got a better um, lay of the land and greater insight into all of the different resources that the Twin Cities have to offer. Um, I have a sister-in-law who's a midwife. I have friends that are doulas. um, And that really opened my eyes to the greater birth community in general. And then I got connected with Suzanne Swanson, who you know is one of the original founders of PPSM. And she really encouraged me to focus my practice and my specialties um, with what I was saying was important to me to move more into perinatal mental health. And so after that, I got connected with um, what was formerly Enlightened Mama, and I got even more deeply connected with um, other providers just in the birth world, acupuncturists and chiropractors and so forth, and found that this really was the community that I wanted to be a part of. And so I ended up getting trained through um, Postpartum Support International on with their uh, PMAD specialty. And once I got kind of all these pieces together, that's when I joined in with PPSM and have been working with perinatal women ever since. Not only perinatal women, but birthing parents and supports. And um, so that's how I got connected in and just started out as a provider but have really, really enjoyed the benefits of being a part of this growing community. It's grown so much since I started. So today we're going to talk about perinatal OCD. Tell us a little bit about what that is. If it's okay, I'd like to start with maybe this like distinction between perinatal OCD and maybe more general OCD and what those look like. OCD occurs when, or obsessive compulsive disorder, I guess I should state that initially, OCD stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. It occurs when an individual gets stuck in a cycle of obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are very much unwanted, intrusive thoughts, images, uh, doubts, or urges that elicit this un bearable distress for the individual. Um, These thoughts feel very much out of control. People with OCD don't want to be having these thoughts and can be incredibly hard and disturbing for them. And a lot of times they can even recognize that having these thoughts just doesn't really make sense to who I am. And then there's a second component of it, the compulsions. And compulsions are behavioral or mental rituals that the individual then uses repeatedly to help cope with or decrease or eliminate the distress of the obsessions. Um, This is, however, the compulsions only satiate a temporary fix. Unfortunately, a lot of times these compulsions can take up a lot of time and energy for the person engaging in them. So that's what the general idea of OCD is. And then moving on to this focus of 
uh, perinatal or postpartum OCD. Um, they're kind of these subsets of obsessive compulsive disorder. So perinatal OCD is kind of the term that we use when the presentation of OCD arises around the perinatal time. So that's when we're talking about perinatal or postpartum OCD, that's what we're referencing is this has been maybe a triggering event or this stressor has elicited an increase in either symptoms that have already existed or is a new onset for the particular person. Oftentimes with postpartum OCD or perinatal OCD, what helps differentiate it a little bit as well is that it tends to focus on thoughts and feelings um, surrounding their baby and or the baby's well-being or how the individual might treat their baby. Sonia, can you give us some examples of what that would look like? I think things that we see often are women coming in that are expressing fears about harming their baby. That's one that I see a lot. Um, Maybe they're thinking over and over again that they might walk down the stairs while they're holding their baby and drop them or can envision that happening. And so one might avoid going up and down stairs because the, the compulsion is not walking up and down the stairs or that avoidance so that they don't have to take the risk of what might happen if they are were to you know walk down the stairs and drop their baby. Another one that I see too is... Uh, people worrying about what might happen when the baby is sleeping. So a mom, you know, we already don't get a whole lot of sleep at night. You know, we get just enough if we're lucky, but it might happen where a mom is really worried about the baby, you know, not breathing at night or, you know, rolling over and having something happen to it. So the mom might stay up all night long checking in on the baby to make sure that they're okay or utilizing um, lots and lots of different uh, apparatus around the home to protect things that might be more than what your girlfriends might use or what your neighbor might have been using. Um, But it's a lot of these intrusive thoughts of what might happen to my baby or harming our babies ourselves. I think that happens a lot. I do think that it's so important for people to understand that this level of anxiety that it creates often leads moms then to not share. They're afraid of what people are going to think about that. It's all wrapped up in the anxiety. And in my work, I see that that is like a fear or a thread of, am I going crazy? Like, I can't share this with somebody else because there, nobody's going to be able to help. Nobody's going to be able to understand. And the reality is this is a symptom of that anxiety. And if we can focus and get the appropriate treatment in place, that ability to parent and enjoy and have that comfort is going to come back. Yes, absolutely. Obsessive compulsive disorder really attaches to the things that are important to us in life. And for a lot of people, what's more important than their baby. So the sticky thoughts can be really, really intense around that. And, and then to think that if I share these really scary thoughts with somebody, what could be the repercussions? Am I going to be judged? Will something happen to my baby? Will people think I'm you know, having an episode of psychosis even. So it can be really scary to not only have the thoughts, but also be brave enough to share them with somebody because people that don't necessarily understand um, what 
OCD is might be a little caught off guard, which is why I feel it's so important for us to be discussing this today so that people can know like that I can share this information and I can get help because obsessive compulsive disorder really is treatable. I think that brings me to the next question about what the incidence or prevalence of perinatal OCD is. I think how I'll answer that question is first to talk about OCD as a, as a general idea, which they, they state the research shows that it affects about one to 2% of the population, which is a very small percentage point, right? We, we might think that that seems very small. Um, studies suggest that perinatal OCD affects 1%, about 1% of women in pregnancy and about 3% of women in the postpartum period. And again, like what we were saying though, is even if that percentage is lower than maybe some of the other PMADs that we see, the intensity of it and the importance of having people have the resources and have the language to be able to seek help um, it's, it's incredibly important, which is why, you know, I'm so glad to be able to be here and highlighting it. As a point of reference, the incidence of postpartum psychosis is about a 10th of a percent. So one in a thousand that that happens and that fear though, of I'm going crazy and I'm, you know, these are symptoms of psychosis, I think is, uh, just so much greater than what that true burden is on the prevalence I don't know if you find this in your work as well, Sonia, but when I start asking questions specifically about the intrusive thoughts in the peripartum period, I know that the incidence and that prevalence goes up significantly. I would say that at least 50 to 60% of women that I work with will endorse those things. Yes, absolutely. And I see this all the time. There's a lot of, there are a lot of intrusive thoughts. And I think I am going to pull this statistic out that I don't know is super solid, but I have heard that, you know, the average person has over 4,000 intrusive thoughts a day. And I think that's on the shy side of things. And so to think that just your, your everyday person has that many intrusive thoughts and knowing that, um, people in the perinatal time period have an increase because, um, of how our brain chemistry is working and our hormones, just to really put that in perspective that this impacts a lot of people, maybe not necessarily the compulsion side of it that would elicit a diagnosis of, of OCD, but that intrusive thoughts really are more common than people know about. Can you talk about some risk factors that might be connected to perinatal OCD? genetic factors, which is, I think, pretty typical across the board for mental health. OCD does often run in families. If you know that somebody else in your family has been diagnosed or maybe has not been diagnosed, but exhibits the um, symptom presentation, there is a chance that you could also um, experience OCD. Presence of other mental health conditions is also a risk factor. Uh, Stress is a huge part of being a new parent. (laughs) So it's not surprising that we would see an exacerbation of symptoms postpartum or during the perinatal period as well. And if you look at OCD and back it up a little bit more, pregnancy and postpartum are listed as risk factors, as as a triggering event. Um, It has been thought that the changes in hormones can impact onset or exacerbation of symptoms. Can you talk about some of the treatments available 
for perinatal OCD? The main mode of therapy that we use is cognitive behavioral therapy. And the gold standard version of this is exposure and response prevention. ERP for short, ERP is a form of cognitive behavioral therapy where the goal is for the client to face their fears without engaging in the compulsions in order to learn that they are able to tolerate their distress and anxiety. It doesn't sound very glamorous and sometimes it can be really hard, but over time with this repeated exposure present and as the outcome, the individual has been worried about happening doesn't actually come true. Both the fear of that outcome And then the need to perform that compulsion that they're engaging in or the ritual that they have, it then starts to weaken. So we don't have those high urges to engage in the compulsion because what happens is compulsions actually just kind of start the process over. Our brains don't have anything new to learn. So it needs to keep that cycle going in order to feel safe. So what, again, we're teaching clients is that if we allow ourselves to kind of move through that curve of distress, our brains can learn that we don't have to engage in that compulsion in order to be okay. I tell my clients a lot that we can't learn anything new if we don't give our brains anything new to learn. Now, I can understand that, again, I said it doesn't seem very glamorous, um, and it can seem pretty scary and challenging, especially when the feared thoughts or the outcomes are surrounding our babies. But with the support of a trained therapist, um, it is a gradual process that is highly collaborative, highly supportive, and it's researched, evidence-based, and it's effective. Taking medications in general can be scary, but as a new mom while pregnant or while nursing, they can even be more difficult to accept that that might be necessary to treat some of the symptoms. And with OCD, those feelings and those thoughts are so intense that it typically takes even higher than average dosages to achieve stability or to achieve treatment efficacy. Often when people start taking a medication, will take the beginning dosage and may not be brought up to a required to manage the symptoms fully. And so one of the things that I always say to people is the medication risk is there. Exposure is exposure. Why not take enough of the medication to treat the symptoms fully? And I think that um, is even more crucial or more important while pregnant, because we know that the way that our body handles stress actually has physiological changes that occur. OCD isn't necessarily like a more intense version of anxiety. It has distinct brain chemical reactions that are happening. And so taking those higher dosage, you know, it doesn't mean that you're worse off than somebody else. It's just the way with which our brains are functioning at the time. How long does it take for somebody to respond to ERP? I am going to give you a very standard therapy answer here where it depends. (laughs) I think, unfortunately, it really does depend on the person. It depends on the intensity of symptoms. But for somebody who maybe is a new onset of perinatal or postpartum OCD, I think the standard that one might say is anywhere between 12 and 20 sessions. The really beautiful thing about ERP is that it focuses on the process with which our brain 
works so that we can use this as transferable skills to other things. So maybe we're using skills on a particular feared outcome, we can use those same skills on something else. So once you get the hang of it, um, we can use those in other areas as well. What can partners, families, friends, support people do to help? I think the first thing is that we all need to be open-minded when somebody is coming to us with their fears. Thoughts can be very scary. Intrusive thoughts can be very scary for a, a new mom. Taking somebody seriously when they're expressing these fears or concerns with you. Um, we need to know that we are in a safe environment. So making sure that we are supportive of our loved ones. Attending sessions with your partner can be really, really helpful. And I oftentimes will encourage it just so that our partners can understand what work is being done in session because a lot of times our rituals or compulsions will involve other people in our families to reduce stress at home. We know that stress increases our presentation of um, obsessive compulsive disorder. So helping in whatever way we can to reduce that stress. Also creating a space for self-care. Furthermore, in addition to that is ERP, there is homework. I send all of my clients out with homework, things to practice each week. And so really being able to make sure that um, the person who is treating OCD has the time to do their homework. If there's somebody listening that is struggling or knows somebody that's struggling, how might you suggest they get connected with a provider? Well, as always, I would recommend somebody go to the PPSM website or the helpline. I think those are always really great ways to start to find somebody who is working with the perinatal population. Another more specific website that people can go to for OCD support is the International OCD Foundation. It's the IOCDF.org. And there they have a link that you can click on that um, shows providers that are in your area. And they might not be trained in perinatal because there are just not a ton of providers out there that do both. Um, another thing that I always tell people, though, too, is email me. I am more than happy to help people get connected. For more information about Sonia and the resources that she mentioned, please check out the description in the podcast.